today on the Tearsheet Podcast. It's sort of like what Snapchat had when they had these millions of users and they didn't know how to monetize on them, but they just had them. Now they, they, they had to figure, it took them a while to figure out exactly how to offer which product that they would offer and which additional products they would offer. But because they had such a loyal, you know, a loyal fan base or a customer base. Um, and I think the same thing with Credit Karma, Dave, you know, Betterment, like you're saying is that once you're, once, once they, someone likes it, they're gonna be like, sure, I'll use this for everything is with, with the, proliferation of APIs and and fintech as a service companies and and how easy it is to you know plug in a plate or a square or a stripe or what or create a digital wallet or you know python libraries you know everything else it's, it's really easy and i think that gets into the bigger python question also libraries? which i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the challengers podcast i'm your co-host zach miller with me is josh liggett say hi josh What's up, Zach? How you doing? And we're here um, for a 2019 wrap-up, huh? Yeah, I, we wanted to get back and, and sort of give a little end-of-the-year season's greetings. We're cheery with uh, you know, lots, of, uh, lots of wine and lots of, lots of spirits. I was, in, uh, I was in Germany last week, so I had some, some nice mulled wine. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so it definitely gets you in the mood to talk about challenger banks that happened in, uh, and everything in the industry in 2019. And, and it was a festive year for challenger banks. I have to say, um, I mean, it was, it was an inaugural year of coverage of challengers. Obviously they've been around, um, before, but they kind of just made a mark on the map this year. And, um, one of the ways they did that was with lots of colors, right? <laughs> oh, we like that segue? <laughs> yes. So like this we was started. the year of colors. Um, one of the big themes that we saw, not just in challenger banks, but in, in fintech in general, were new colors cropping up in, in debit cards, right? We've got Revolut, you know, it felt like almost every month was coming out with new gold and rose gold and space metal. And um, I know you love this, this theme, Josh. It's my favorite thing in the world to talk about the colors of credit cards. Um, yeah, it's been... I mean, that was, it was, it's really funny that that's like the big thing that happened over the year. I think it sort of can talk to you about the, the state of challenger banks right now that, you know, the big differentiation is what color the credit card is, you know, uh, with what's going on. But it's been definitely interesting. I think, uh, you know, we had, app, you know, Apple Card launched and, and everyone, people thought that it was going to be a really, really big, you know, deal. I remember everyone was going crazy when it happened. Uh, if I recall, you and I were a little more skeptical about the matter. Um, think wine. Yeah. We, <laughs> I mean, Apple card has been a monster and, and, you know, but you know, the form factor, I, I think, you know, again, I, a lot of this is tongue in cheek, Josh, but like, you know, the form factor is important and, and that's, it, it is one way in, in a growing sea of sameness of, for banks to stand out and, and to get customers happy to whip out that card. Right. Yeah. I mean, like in all seriousness, you know, it's something that consumers want and if consumers want it, you have to give it to them. So, you know, if they want a, this colored credit card and that's going, you're going to be able to acquire them in a business that's so heavy on acquisition. Uh, I mean, the, 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 dip, the, the level of differentiation in terms of needing to figure out some, any type of, you know, leg up on the competition in, in challenger banks, which is so acquisition driven is, is super important. So anything you can do to differentiate yourself is really important. Um, and, and, you know, 
And to keep that card top of wallet, I mean, right, like we've seen that, you know, beyond the subscription model, like really the main um, monetization engines through interchange fees. So you got to get, you got to get your users using that card. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as much as I hate it and as much as I think it's ridiculous, you know, it, it is something that's important. It is a status symbol. Um, you know, I, I do, re do recall, I saw something where Apple, the Apple card at least had some issues regarding um, something went viral, if you recall, uh, where, people were getting different rates depending on their gender, depending on a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. You know, that was something that sort of came out that was sort of a, a little turn in the punch bowl of what they were working on. But it's, it's definitely a status symbol. It's similar to, you know, when Puff Daddy came out with a black card back in the day with Amex black card of what that meant um, sort of to the overall user, you know, having the phone and having your card by your phone or having taking something out that you believe in that you respect in terms of uh, having a card that you like and that looks pretty as well. Uh, you know, it's something that's definitely important for the user and for and for banks. It's definitely a status symbol. And 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 speaking of status, like this was a year also where we saw some massive fundraisings and um, and unicorn valuations, right? Yeah, I thought you were going to go that way with the being being jolly and merry because everyone's got so much freaking money, you know. To after all the big these monster unicorn rounds, I mean, I don't even. Rem know the number it's such a big number of how much money was raised this year for challenger banks these really i think i saw three over three billion total that i mean yeah it would not surprise me i was gonna say like two or three but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if it's higher than that also um but it's it's just uh, incredible how mature the market not even mature but how mature the funding is uh in the market the, the products i think are still growing and the, and we're still the challengers are still trying to figure out exactly where they fit in but there's been a lot of money thrown at, you know, thrown at this problem for sure. And the use of proceeds, I mean, they need to, a lot of these, the challengers, at least with, with um, like a global focus need, need to raise this money, right? Cause they're, they're buying, they're, you know, buying licenses in local markets and setting up local operations. I mean, they're going to, they're going to need to spend a lot of money to grow these things. And they're trying to expand acquisition on growth. I mean, a lot of this money is going for sales and marketing. Um, you know, they're, they're burning money. They're trying to grow. They're trying to compete with each other. They're trying to build infrastructures. They're trying to, you know, figure out exactly what the business model is that they're going to really hit those big monetization numbers. It, it's a very expensive business, shockingly, to run a bank before you're, <laughs> before you're really well established. I don't know if that's a, that's a, what was everybody thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Newsflash running a bank is expensive, you know, <laughs> especially, especially when you're trying to, you know, not sort of set in your ways yet. And you're trying to figure everything out on the fly. Uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little, a little, a little pricey. Um, but yeah. yeah and, so. and speaking of like flies in the ointment, I mean, I, I think, you know, we were waiting for some, some big U S launches here from the Europeans. Um, we didn't quite have that in 2019. We had N26 launched through a partner bank. Um, but we didn't, it's, it's certainly taking longer um, for, for foreign banks to, to get a foothold in the U.S. Yeah, there's, it's definitely been a lot harder. There's been, the U.S. I think is trying to still figure out exactly with all the, you know, with the banking and opening up banking. I, I, a couple, I think a couple months ago, there was that court case between the office of the comptroller and the, and the New York, and the New York uh, Fed, I think. Uh, between, you know, in terms of giving out baking licenses and the fintech who license, get, yeah. yeah, exactly. Those fintech licenses and, and trying to sort of keep things under control and, and how, and that, and that's going to be something that changes over the next year, two, three, five, et cetera. Um, but 
the the shot the craziest thing to me was n26 opening up in in brazil which was like i thought that was nuts because newbank is there and that's like their home turf and i was Mm -hmm. really surprised that they went down there but i think it's sort of the extent of what we spoke about earlier that it was uh you know like getting licenses in the u.s different states different regulations than europe you know a little harder in certain ways easier in other ways but it's just been a much more difficult process i think than was anticipated Right. And so, um, you know, we've also seen sort of a divergence here of, of strategies. So you have like the Oak North model, which is a UK bank that um, is decidedly not buying licenses or acquiring licenses internationally and, and is expanding through um, a licensing strategy, a technology licensing strategy. And then you have the Revoluts and N26s that are in most markets looking to acquire local licenses and build local teams. And, um, you know, I think we're too early in that in that rollout to see which is a winning, which is the winning strategy. But, um, you know, I think that's something to keep our eye on in 2020. Most, most definitely. I couldn't agree more. And um, so this was definitely a year of growth. It was a year of a lot of influx of cash. Um, we did have one big failure and uh, one eulogy, actually, Josh, if you remember, you <laughs> so eloquently um, gave a eulogy on J.P. Morgan Chase's Finn. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, I think, what was the number? They spent like $5 billion, I think was the number. I don't even know. Over like They a never actually years, said they... the number. We backed out. Some, one of the executives had said that they had spent like 20% of their, I think, their yearly tech budget, which I, I think puts it at a billion or something like that. Yeah, it was so a, lot a lot of money. Lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money to spend on a bank. And I, it, it, it was really funny how they, when you go back and look at the original press release, like we did on that eulogy about how it looked like a, like a 70 year old guy <laughs> making an app for a 20 year old person. Like, I think they like those smiley faces. So let me put a smiley face in there. Those emoji thingies, you know, it was just very, it's just like, what were they thinking? You know, yeah. that, that they're doing that, but you got to give it to them that they, that they just shut it down when it wasn't working. I give them credit for that. As crazy as it sounds like, it's not working. Okay. We're willing to take, you know, we're willing to take the hit on it, you know, get a little bit of bad press. I mean, it's people forgot about it after like a day. Yeah. Nobody talks about it anymore. You're right. Totally. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. It's also like, this is, you know, a billion dollars for the largest bank in the U S is like a rounding error sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's like not really that much as crazy as that sounds, but it's really cool that they, you know, that they tried to do this. And I think what I, I, I've spoken to startups and one of the things that they said, I think was really interesting was if that, if challengers tried to fight on the turf of, and the terms of traditional banks, they're going to lose. And if banks try to fight sort of on the turf of challengers, they're going to lose. Like, so you, you know, it's up do to what they do to, best, right? In a way, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. So I think it's up to the to the challengers to really find what they can do better than the traditional banks, and it's up to the traditional banks to double down on what they do really, really, really well in order to retain their customers. And and there's going to be people that go to challengers, and there's going to be people who stay, and there's going to be people who use both. But it's I think once you know, whenever you try to get a a big, you know fintech like or big bank which is so slow moving and it takes forever them to make a decision just because of how that's what they are trying to compete with a nimble startup it, it's not going to get it's in certain ways they're going to fail but in certain ways they in certain ways they they have the potential to succeed if they just build on their strengths like you said 
Yeah, like like in in retrospect, I agree with you. It's like, what were they thinking? You know, J.P. Morgan Chase's app is is good. Um, it's uh, you know, its brand is unassailable. It's massive, and and you know, the fact that they were trying to create a new brand, a sub brand, and sub markets, you know, it didn't really. It just looking in, in retrospect, it didn't make sense. Um, and uh, you know, I, and, and I agree with you. Credit to them that they were able to shut it down quickly and, and move on from it. Um, but but I think that speaks to a larger trend. Also, I think I think the writing's on the wall. Like it's getting really competitive out there, and and Finn didn't necessarily have. I, I couldn't tell you what Finn stood for. Um, you know, or, or if it trying had to be a, trying market. to be Marcus, maybe I don't know. Trying to hey, they're doing this with Marcus. Let's try to do it for us. I, I don't know. I have right, no it idea. could be, but then it was just a lookalike Marcus. It didn't really stand for anything. Um, yeah. One of the trends that I think you know was biggest in 2019, and and you know we'll talk about this as it, as 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 we start to segue to talk about what the next year has in store was the emergence of of other non-banking brands into the banking market. Um, we saw Credit Karma, Dave, Money Lion, Betterment really kind of move strongly into the into the what I would call the challenger market, and I think the challengers. Challenger banking itself as a term is probably, you know, old and, and outdated. We'll have to come up with a better term longer term because these are just going to be banks longer term. The, the, the distinction between challengers and, and non-challengers, I think, will go away. But, you know, if you're, if you're a power credit karma user and all of a sudden they rolled out their savings account, early, you know, in the third quarter of this year, heck, you know, like I'm already using it for six other different services. Why wouldn't I keep my money there as well? And then, you know, it's just a beautiful model when you have when you have a software platform that already has, you know, rabid users, um, and, you know, loyal users rolling out credit products. I think and and banking products. I think it's a really powerful combination. Absolutely. Uh, to go back on J.P. Morgan for one second is that people forget that they came up with QuickPay, like that was really awesome. I remember when that came out, and that was like holy crap, this is really, this is really interesting. This is really innovative. And I think that's basically turned into what clear exchange and Zelle is uh, now, but it's, they're very innovative and, and, you, and there are a lot of these players are very innovative. And I think that once you get to that point of retaining a customer and that's sort of what we're seeing with the credit karmas and, and everyone else in the world, once you have such an act, such a, a hold on a customer, you can start doing, offering all types of products and services on top of it. I mean, this is what I see every day with, with startups, especially in FinTech, where you build one product, you get someone really, really interested in it, and then they you start offering other products and they just like your experience, and then they're just gonna continue to use your other products because of the relationship that you've already built with them. I, there's, there's, it's sort of like what Snapchat had when they had these millions of users and they didn't know how to monetize on them, but they just had them. Now they, they, they had to figure, it took them a while to figure out exactly how to offer which product that they would offer and which additional products they would offer. But because they had such a loyal, you know, a loyal fan base or a customer base. Um, and I think the same thing with credit karma, Dave, you know, betterment, like you're saying is that once you're, once, once they, someone likes it, they're gonna be like, sure, I'll use this for everything is with, with the, proliferation of APIs and, and FinTech as a service companies and, and how easy it is to, you know, plug in a plate or a square or a stripe or what, or create a digital wallet or, you know, Python libraries, you know, everything else. It's, it's really easy. And I think that 
gets into the bigger Python question also, libraries? which I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to call you out on that one. You can do it. No, I, I, come on. I, I'm no, starting I, Udemy. I have Udemy classes about Python. Nice. Just the, no, that, that's the AI joke of that. Everything is just all the AI stuff is just library. Like these libraries that you just import to, you know, piece it together and you don't create anything yourself. Um, but uh, so yeah, I backed it up a little bit. There you go. See, um, I think what's cool about those examples that you give is that it's not just an add-on like savings account. It's that, and it's not just cross-selling me to some other product. It actually like adding a savings account into those products, those, those software platforms make my experience better and stickier and I get more value out of it by having my, them manage my money and, and move my money to different accounts. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. For sure. And that's what's, I think that's sort of the other question that we have for which we'll touch on is who else is going to get into the mix? You know, it's sort of like, who, who, who are the other players? The mix, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a better question. I think who that's where we are right now. Mix? Yeah. So, so, so let's use that to look ahead to 2020. I know, I know you had um, something that you're hearing a lot of um, from investors. Um, can you talk about one of the themes that you think is, is strong going into next year? Sure. So I was, I was at, a, I moderated a panel with actually, uh, with SumUp and, uh, and Klarna uh, in Germany uh, a week ago and uh, really, really awesome panel about building and scaling and funding a fintech startup. And it was cool to hear from two unicorns about how, you know, they still have problems. They're still startups, you know, there's not, they're not established companies. And, and the fact that they, it was bumpy along the way, you know, can definitely provide a lot of, uh, positive motivation to people who are in startups right now or or challengers or whatever and things aren't going perfectly that you that you can get there and have have you know companies that are doing very very well um but one of the other vcs that was on the stage um mentioned that he's concerned that the market's softening up a little bit after this whole we work fiasco um specifically regarding a path to profitability um the, the fact that we work just the, the big knock on them when they, you know, when they were going public and in that S1 was just the unit economics problem and the fact that there was a lack of a path to profitability and, and it, they were scaling well, but they hadn't figured out the unit economics problem. So that looks, and what he brought up is that looks similar to what a lot of the digital banks are looking like. So the question is, is now you have a lot of these digital challengers that raised in the valuations in the billions of dollars. And now they're, the market is like, well, wait a minute, you guys, while we love the fact that you guys are growing and every single metric that we've seen in all the press releases has been about user growth, mm -hmm. we all need to see, yeah. those are all the headline numbers, user growth, user growth, user growth. And something we've spoken so many times about is I would love to see unit economics, I'd love to see churn, I'd love to see cohort analysis. You know, those numbers are going to, may become, come to the forefront and Will we see down rounds? Will we see changing of business models? It could be ugly theoretically if things don't get don't get correct. And I don't know the numbers. I don't know the figures. This is just from hearing from around from industry experts. You know, writing articles about how um, you know things are going on in, in terms of with the challengers and with a lot of these banks. You know, that that's really the issue. Is is what's go, what is going to happen? And are they going to be able to prove show? metrics for the next funding round that will justify, you know, upticks in valuation. Right. I, I think we're still on the, the, the upswing and I think it'll take one big brand um, struggling to raise that next like sort of growth round, um, maybe doing a flat round to down round to kind of 
burn off the froth because I, I still feel like we're we're still on an upswing here. But um, I, I do agree with you, and I, I think you can hear this out of some of the the European banks, um, the Monizes out there. Um, they're starting to talk about you know how many of their customers actually have a direct deposit set up. The metrics that really matter, I think, for the bank going forward. So I, I hope we'll start to see that and, and really move away from these these sort of, they're almost laughable at this point, how many millions of customers they're, they're gaining from you know month to month. Um, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll see how that plays out. One of the themes that, that I wanted to talk about, and this was something in our tear sheet has shown in their coverage and in our embedded conference in November, um, we're starting to see more and more brands um, act as banks. So it could be the Credit Karma model, uh, where you're sort of in personal finance and you move into a banking product. Obviously, they're not, most of these banks, most of these um, fintechs aren't doing it with banking licenses. They're partnering with banks. Um, but Dave did this, Moneyline did this, Betterment did this. Um, but we're also, you know, Uber has become a bank as well. Um, we saw that around Money 2020 this year about the emergence of sort of their money group and, and how, they, how they see themselves, how Uber itself as a transportation company sees itself as a bank to its drivers. Um, we'll see more and more brands like that emerge this year where they come out with a really specific product for their own user base um, that includes banking products. Um, and I, and based on the banking as a service companies, these fintechs, these Python libraries that Josh keeps talking about um, uh, there, there's, you know, any, any brand that, that wants to launch a financial product can do that now. It's a reality and it's a reality that it only takes a couple months. Um, it could take theoretically a couple months. Um, it doesn't have to take a couple years to launch these products. You can do it relatively quickly and start learning right away. And, um, you know, to me, that's one of the most exciting things and most transformative things about finance that I've seen in, in, the, in the years that I've been covering finance. Um, it's really the emergence of non-financial brands into financial brands. And like that kind of changes the entire playing field for me because then, then people are banking with the brands that they love and not necessarily with banks. Um, We'll always need banks, and but the bank's role obviously is changing. Um, maybe their, their infrastructure plays or their smart pipes or dumb pipes or whatever it is. Um, but to me, this is one of the most interesting things out there. Yeah, I mean, Facebook, Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft. I mm -hmm. mean, what are they going to do? Uh, big tech. I mean, yes. Yeah, like a lot of big tech with a lot of money and a lot of, you know, products and a lot of a lot of user data got a lot of user data i mean facebook's already took a little venture in with libra which was i think they sort of took a step back uh on that Oops. which is probably probably a good idea when you're trying to create replace the u.s dollar um you know sort of sort of like a you know take move let's move back and try something else but i mean the all these tech companies and all these you know i i mean i i think it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and then how crazy is it going to get like how out there is it going to get in terms of like instagram like imagine if instagram starts banking um i i don't know what you know what the craziest one i can think of is but but there's a lot of like a lot of really interesting companies and i think people who aren't like watch haven't been watching fintech and don't understand fintech and i've had this conversation with some other people you know who work in the vc who aren't following fintech whatsoever and they're like shocked when i say that you and i think that this is just an inevitability and and it's it's they're shocked what do you mean what do you mean they're going after that but yeah this is like this is a next step this is something that's very very you know very obvious to you know i think a lot of industry experts that this is where it is going for sure 
And I think the one last trend um, I do want to hit on before we wrap up um, this 2019 challenger wrap up itself um, is that I'm actually, and, and Josh, I don't know if you've seen this in your deal flow, but I'm actually seeing more new players emerge. And these aren't new players like the Credit Karmas and Daves that are existing players launching financial products. When I mean new players, these are startup um, challenger banks, um, and, but they're not the the Revoluts, they're not the B2Cs, these are B2B, they're commercial banks, and they're typically focused on a specific um, demographic, like maybe it's you know, freelancers, or maybe it's you know, small companies, or maybe it's high growth companies, right? Like, um, but I, I have seen just in the past two quarters, um, the emergence of new companies, which is kind of surprising because it feels like there are a lot of big players and there's a lot of money sloshing around. Um, but there are new companies <laughs> coming out and raising money and, and, and launching. Are you seeing that too as well? I've, I haven't really seen early because when I see an early stage company going like a seed stage company going trying to be a challenger bank I, I ask them like pass oh, you've been good like two years, <laughs> you know like I've seen like growth round companies that are they're working sort of on going after niche niche people but like I mean at this point you're gonna it's sort of like you have the big sharks and you have mm -hmm. these little fish they're trying to like swim around them and and maybe they hope to be have a quick hit acquisition but like it's sort of like the same thing I've seen in invoice financing. Like you have cabbage, you have Funbox, you have blue vine, you have uh, the half to a certain extent, all these, you know, big invoice financing companies that are really well established and, and are doing really, really well. And someone's like, Hey, I have a invoice financing company. It's like, well, okay, like, cool. Like it's a couple years too late, you know, to the, to the, I mean, you could, you could go for it, but it's the, the only thing you could argue why it would be, positive is that if you think that it's a timing play and you think that the challengers are too early to the party and that they're just going to get into trouble i don't i don't think that i don't think they're they're too early really um but you could maybe maybe some like neat very very niche players you know going after something small that aren't don't want to become you know multi-billion dollar global banks that want to basically become uh community banks at scale i would call it or smaller things at scale. I, I don't know. I, again, I, I agree with that on the B2C, um, but these are B2B. I don't think anyone's cracked the commercial bank um, piece yet from a, from a digital banking perspective. I don't think anyone's doing yeah. that well. Um, and I think that it's such a huge market and there's such room for, for as you said, niches and sub, you know, sort of subcategories. And um, I don't know. I still, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too late for, for these guys, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if they can raise money. We can see if they can get a foothold and, and grow. It's going to, and it's going to cost, the issue is that it's just going to cost them a right. lot we of money. We know too much now, right? Like we yeah, know we how know. expensive it's, it is to build these things. Yeah. It's yeah. for a B2B bank and then to figure out the risk, like exactly what you're doing. If you're doing any sort of lines of credit, if you're doing, you know, what exactly what you're doing and how you're going to differentiate yourself and, and do it without needing to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to expand quickly enough to get to the point where you're sort of cracking the, where you're, where, or not even hundreds, let's say, you know, tens of millions of dollars. It's still not easy to do. And no. especially in the market that's might be tightening up perhaps. I mean, it, it, we still haven't seen the market, the, the, the investing market tighten up, but, but it's possible that it might, um, you know, after the whole week, everyone freaking out over we work, but again, that might change in a month or two from now once everything's calmed down a little bit well let, um, let's put it let's put it this way like if you're an entrepreneur or an investor funding one of these companies right now you have to be going in with eyes open right absolutely you have to know you have to know what the what how realistic it is in terms of like who you're going up against and know that you're going against some pretty massive gorillas and know 
I know who I'm going up against, and this is how I'm going to beat him. And if you and if you can execute that, totally fine. And if you have the money to do it, even better. Josh, I wanted to thank you. Um, it's been great this year. Um, you know talking and writing about the challengers and I, I'm looking forward to 2020 as we get to talk about more colors and, and materials of debit cards. I think uh, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the upcoming year. I mean, I'd like to Absolutely. thank all of our, our listeners as well for, for tuning in and, and, and sticking with us. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback. We hope to uh, continue to go deeper and, and broader with, with our coverage here on the on digital banking. Yeah, it's been amazing and uh, looking forward to having some awesome stuff going on and some hilarious, more hilarious, ridiculous things happening and, and l would love to see some awesome traction and to, nothing would make me happier than to see some of these banks, you know, really take it to the next level and step it up, you know, because it's good for everybody. Happy 2020, guys, and thanks for joining us. Happy 2020. All the best.